Welcome, Mama. You've got your hands full, I know. As a mama for myself, I can relate to the exhausting days of motherhood with wiping messy faces, correcting attitudes, and picking up those countless piles of laundry. But I have found that if we search deeply and open our hearts, we can experience motherhood in a whole new light. By applying biblical principles, we can have joy, we can have peace, and we can have purpose in motherhood. Join me weekly for a little spiritual water for your weary soul. Well, hello there. Welcome to the Purpose of Motherhood podcast. I'm Ashley Kasten, and it's so great to have you here with me. We have a very special episode tonight, and I'm so excited about it. We have a special guest with us, and her name is Candice Dalu is her name. I just figured out how to pronounce it. I had to ask her, and I was going to try to make it fancier than it was. But you guys are going to love hearing from her. She has written a book called Hope. It's amidst the stories I told myself, and it's how to found how to find hope in love and loss. And I know that this is going to be a message that's really going to encourage all of us. If you've ever experienced any kind of loss in your life, you're going to find a lot of hope in her message. So welcome, Candice. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I've been following you for a while and listening to your (laughs) podcasts, loving them. Thank you. I love it. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? You are a mom. Tell us about your world. (laughs) Well, I just ended homeschool for the first time. Homeschooled my three children that are 13, 11, and 7. And that was exciting and also really crazy because we also launched a business this year and three books and we have another one along the way, a children's book. And so it's just been wow. a really crazy year to do all that in addition to teaching. I'm actually a teacher for Stanley Community College and just trying to do all that and I'm and do these things. It's just really difficult, but also really awesome. So that's my world. Soccer yeah. mom, dance mom, jujitsu mom. <laughs> Do it and a wife. I'm a wife too. You got to put that on there. <laughs> I'm exhausted listening to all that. <laughs> that is incredible though. How inspiring. I love hearing stories of other mamas that are just using their gifts for the Lord, you know, as they're just raising their children too. And, you know, doing that, which is a huge part of our using our gifts for the Lord, right? Is yes. in raising our children. So I love that. Okay. Well, I want you to share a little bit about your story and kind of catch people up to speed who have never uh, met you before or heard your story. Maybe just share a little bit about that and we'll um, talk about how that led to this book, Hope. Okay. Yes. Um, I just want to start by encouraging any mom who has had a miscarriage, a stillbirth, um, a child loss, an infant loss. I just want to encourage you right now, before I even start, to get up. Just get out of bed every single morning. Just keep going. I promise you it gets better. I promise you that there is going to be a day where you can see the sun again, and it's not just cloudy. I promise you that you can do this and that you're going to be better for it. It doesn't feel like it right now, but you will. So I just wanted to start with that because Mm. that's something I really learned through the years. It's been 15 years since my son was born. He was born in 2006 with a very severe heart defect 
We should have noticed it on an ultrasound, but it was not discovered. He was born with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, which essentially means he was missing the entire bottom chamber of the left side of his heart. And as you know, the heart is very important to everything else in your body. And about 18 hours after he was born was when we discovered it. And we always say he was perfectly um, imperfect because Mm. he seemed so perfect when he was born. Everything about him said he's perfect. The APGAR test said he was perfect. I mean, he was just so perfect. And yet there was something very seriously wrong. So he was life flighted to Duke Medical Center in Durham, North Carolina, about two and a half hours from where we lived. Um, it's so hard to talk about sometimes. I got to not think about the emotional part. Hmm. But it was hard because my husband had to go alone. I had a C-section and we were living in North Carolina for less than a year. We had moved there um, from Michigan and he had to kind of get to Durham on his own. Well, my mom was there, but she didn't know where she was going either. They went together and it was in a hallway by himself that he discovered that our son was very sick. I was delusional and thought he was going to, they were going to figure out what was wrong, fix him, and he'd really be back the next day. I just really didn't understand the impact of what all was happening. Hmm. But my husband had to learn it all on his own. And to me, that is like heartbreaking. It like rips my heart open thinking that he was all alone and knowing how my husband is. And I think how most men are, they want to protect us. They want to protect our family. And and knowing like he could, A, could not fix it. And B, was going to have to tell me, you Mm. know, I just can't even imagine what he was going through in those moments. But um, so our son had open heart surgery when he was six days old. There was lots and lots of events that occurred between the time that he was born and to the time that we had to say goodbye. But I will say that in those seven weeks, I learned so much about myself. Um, God gave me so many wonderful people. He just, in hindsight, you see so many things that God was intersecting, things that he was doing um like getting us insurance before he was born to cover his yeah. ICU coverage. Like that's insane. Right. Um, really giving me the sense that there was something wrong before he was born, preparing me for what was happening. Yeah. Um, and just, just really blessing us with people, people that we still are in contact with people that have been, a huge support for us over the past 15 years. And I know not everyone's journey, um, it ended like ours did. Some, you know, get to bring their babies home and they get to continue the journey, um, with their child. Some don't have seven weeks. I'm blessed and knowing that I had seven weeks with him. Hmm. And although it wasn't exactly the way I would like it, it was still seven weeks that right. I got to learn about him and see him. And I have those visions of him like in my mind that I can never, ever get rid of. Mm. And that's so special to me. And so at seven weeks old, um, he just, he was, went through a lot. I talk about this a lot. And I talk through this in the book. Um, 
we had to make a difficult decision to remove all life, all life support. And um, although it was an extremely difficult decision to make, we knew we were making the right decision because God was giving us answers to prayers, very, yeah. very clear answers to prayers. Um, we had prayed that um, we would know the morning that we walked in that we had made the right decision. And when we walked in the door, we saw him dressed for the first time in an outfit that we had brought. And he was black and blue, like he was almost purple and his body was so swollen. He had two extra uh, two liter bottles, like a pop. We call them pop up north soda <laughs> um, a fluid on his body. So he was so swollen. He could no longer open his eyes. He could no longer lift his arms. Um, and seeing him like that, we knew, okay, we are 100% making the right decision because he's, he's at the point where he's really suffering and that's not fair. Um, and we knew it wasn't going to get better. Right. And then our, our second prayer request the night before he passed was that it would be peaceful. And God really blessed us with that. When he mm. took his last breath, it was a sigh of relief. And, and then he was gone and it was the most beautiful thing, um, that I could have ever asked for because it was incredibly peaceful, um, which is weird to say, right. About your child, but I'll also such a, I think such a powerful and, um, gosh, like something that you can actually put your hands on. You yeah. know, oftentimes we ask for God for something tangible. That's the word I was looking for. Such a tangible response hmm. to a prayer request. Because oftentimes we ask for a prayer request, but it's kind of like flighty and not really specific, but specifically peaceful. Yeah. We can really look back and say that 100% was an answer from God. Nothing else. Well, and that's totally God in itself that you can even look back and say that it's peaceful, you know, like, you know, saying that that's a weird thing to say. Well, that's how you know it's God, right? Right. Like yeah. only he could do that. Only he can step in the room in that way and provide you with that kind of peace. That kind of peace doesn't come from um, natural circumstances. That doesn't come from any, you know, from our flesh or anything worldly that only comes from him. Right. And I love when you guys get your hands on this book, which I strongly encourage you to, you are going to just be so wrapped up in her story. She goes in great depth. I was just telling her before we started recording that, um, I was so just, I, I was held, I held on to every single word in this book that she was saying, because she does such a great job of just bringing you alongside of her and making you feel like you're her friend. Like I felt like I was her best friend sitting next to her through all of this and just oh. listening to her talk about it and just, um, you know, just being there in the room with her for all of these um, moments. And though it pulls at your heart in such a, um, Oh, just, I mean, it's just heart wrenching at times when you're hearing her talk about her son, but then there's a moment where it turns and her eyes are so fixed on Jesus. And it's like, you're looking at this woman going, but how, how, how could you just turn from this to this? And as you, um, you know, read and as you follow her through her, her story of transformation to looking to Jesus and how there's purpose in the pain, it is so inspirational. I mean, you can't help, but just, um, 
just want to buy everyone this book, first of all, but really you can't help but to want to go out in the streets and just shout like there is hope. There is hope because she does such a great job of telling the story. So thank you. um, Why don't, and I mean that totally, that's not, no one paid me to say that. Okay. I totally mean that. So (laughs) I certainly did not pay you. I don't have the money to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Why don't um, you tell us who hope is written for? Because though you have a very special place in your heart for the um, brokenhearted mama who has lost a child. I know that you've talked to me about writing this book for so much more than that. So why don't you tell us about that? Yeah. Originally, really, when I wrote the book, um, I really wrote the book with the intent of it sitting on my shelf for me and not for anyone else Um, because it is very vulnerable. And I know you're, you're talking about the hope part, but you know, even after losing him, there was a long period of time of depression. And, and I do talk about that because it's, although extremely vulnerable and something I really didn't want to talk about. And I pretended as if it wasn't happening and that's what makes it vulnerable, um, for me now. Um, that's part of the hope is getting on the other side of that, um, depression and that, and that hardship. And that's where the hope comes in. There was hope when he was sick and then there was a really bad period. Um, And then there was hope again. But I wrote this book because after losing Alex, it was 2006. There was no Facebook. There wasn't even MySpace yet, or at least I wasn't on it. Um, And there was just no one talking about it. And I love that now there's a community really where a lot of women can find other people who they can talk to but I did not have that. And for me, I just wanted to know that I was going to be okay. That that I was going to be okay because everything I felt said I was not going to be okay. And so I wrote the book for the mom to know that you're going to be okay. And, And not only just the mom, but for anyone dealing with any, any circumstances where they've lost a dream, lost a friendship, lost Mm -hmm. a job that they loved, lost, whatever it is that meant so much to them that they have now lost to know that it is going to be okay. And that you are not alone in the way you feel. And for me, that was the biggest reason why I eventually said, okay, I will put this out there. (laughs) Right. And you didn't want to write this at first, right? No, I didn't want to write it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, my gosh. I had felt called to write it several years after losing him. And I actually wrote blog posts for a friend of mine. I'll give a little plug. She has a blog called Mumbling Mommy. And I wrote multiple um, blogs for her thinking, okay, this is it. Like I wrote, like I felt God was really calling me to do this. And so I wrote those pieces thinking, okay, I shared his story. Now leave me alone kind of thing. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And it didn't stop. And then eventually it did stop. Eventually around year seven or eight, I, I didn't feel that pull anymore to share the story in that way. And I thought, oh gosh, God finally gets it. He finally, (laughs) he finally gets me. He knows I'm just not going to do it. He gave up on me. This is awesome. Like he's moving on to someone else. And crazy thing is, this is insane. I don't even think I told you this story. This is really insane. So one day my sister calls me. She says to me, Hey, whatever happened to that book you were going to write? I say, I'm not writing that book. That's not happening. 
Mm-hmm. And then the next day, my best friend calls me, says the same thing. They had not communicated. Wow. And I was like, okay, seriously, are you guys talking to each other? Like what's going on? Right. I'm not writing this book. Leave me alone. Then the next day was a Sunday and I went to church and at church, the pastor was talking about, it was a series called maybe God. And the pastor had said, Hey, um, you know, sometimes you feel called to do something and you say, no, but don't worry. God has call waiting. I almost fell out of my chair. I thought (laughs) this will not be happening. My sister listened to the same sermon. We speak a few days later. I tell her about her call, my best friend's call. And then this, you know, the sermon that she also heard. And she said to me, well, Jonah, you better not come to the lake because you might get eaten by a whale. And I said, (laughs) I just tattooed a wave on my arm. I can't get any closer to water than right now. And she said, then you better write that book. Wow. I know. (laughs) Well, he made it clear for you, right? I know, right? I need, like, clearly I need, like, signs that are neon because I don't want to do it. (laughs) I don't like hard things. (laughs) I'm so glad that you did, though, because it has already changed so many people's lives, I know. And thank you. um, So many more to come. So I'm so, so glad that you did. I want, um, if you don't mind, I would love if you would share, there's a certain part in the book that I, I just was floored by. And I know that everyone would love to hear. Could you share the story of your son, Xavier, your son now, who is how old? He is 13. He'll be 14 13. this summer. Okay. <laughs> so tell us about little Xavier when he was three, right? And yes, you took him he to was, the hospital. Yeah, he was, I think my daughter was about six months. So he was probably close to three at that okay. point. Yeah, yeah, tell so us about it that. Had been, it was the five-year anniversary of losing our son. And we decided um, Xavier was really into helicopters and ambulances and all these things. And so we had decided that we were going to go to Duke. We were going to go to the PICU. We were going to see everybody. Um, our friend Ed Shope, who had life-flighted Alex, that we became really go- close friends with, that um, we actually named our son Xavier Michael after their son, Michael, who passed away three days before Alex. Um, anyway, that's in the book too. That's a long story. But uh, he met us there and took us up to the helipad and let the kids get, well, just Xavier, get into the helicopter, put on the helmet. And we went down to the um, the ambulance and he got to get in that and turn on all the buttons. And it was a really great time for him. He loved it. And then we went into the PICU to say hi to the doctor and some of the staff that was working that day. And when we were standing there talking, a little girl um, was in a wagon, fully clothed, could not tell that there, she was sick. I knew she was sick. No kid in the pediatric and the cardiac pediatric ICU is not sick. They're all sick. Right. Um, so I knew she was sick, but he is three. He can't tell she's sick. She's wearing clothes, um, but they're pulling like a IV of lines, you know, next to her. And he says to me, mommy, that little girl's sick. And I said, oh, baby, I, I know he's sick. And he said, no, mommy, that girl is really sick. Hmm. I did not know, but this little girl was Cora and she was waiting for a heart transplant. And I did not know how sick she actually was. And actually come to find out a few months later, she suddenly passed away. And um, I connected with her mom, Crystal, before that. And we, we still talk now. Um, but that's just the beginning. And then, so that happened. And it was like kind of weird. And we're like, okay, you know. But then 
um, just all of a sudden he starts crying, like hysterically crying. And when you're in ICU, everything's quiet. Or at least they want everything quiet. So right. you, you don't, you don't want a kid screaming at the top of their lungs in the middle right. of an ICU. So Ed Shope said, Hey, let me, let me take him out. We'll go look at the goldfish. So, um, he scoops him up. Um, and just what was so crazy about that moment is before he scooped him up, when we were trying to figure out why he was crying, um, he had said that he, he's screaming. I want to see my brother. I want to see my brother. And we're like, oh my gosh, he's confused. Like he doesn't, he thinks his brother's here. Like we've confused him. You know, oh, he thinks yeah. that Alex is here. Like we have no idea, but I just remember looking at all the nurses and we're all like teary eyed, right? Because right. he's crying, he's screaming for his brother who's not here. And how do we handle this? You know, it's, right. it's hard. It's sad. It's been five years, you know, um, but come to find out, which I share in the story um, later, he reveals that he saw his brother fly which mm. is weird right you're like wait what are you talking about and i prodded him and was like when did you see him fly you know was it at the helicopter no was it at the ambulances no and then he had said it was when because we always call them you know alex's friends <laughs> we yeah. would, that's what we would call the nurses these are alex's friends you know because they were yeah they were our friends too and um and that's where he said that he saw him fly. Mm. And he said, and then I started crying for him to come back. And we were like, and then I was like, oh my gosh, my yeah. baby, my baby. <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> I was glad I wrote down, like literally right after that happened, I wrote down every single word because oh, yeah. I, I never want to forget right. this moment. Right. So it's one so of those things I did. It's one of those kisses from God, like we just talked about earlier, right? Yes. Where it's like yes. that moment where God just does something and you know, it's not because he has to do it. It's because he wants to, like yep. he wants to just, it's like a hug from him, you know, just that like embrace of like, ah, oh, like the, you love me, you love me enough to do this for me, you know, to give me that little like glimpse of what I have to look forward to, right? Mm -hmm. In eternity. And that's, that's so cool. Um, When... I was writing the book. There were many times that I, when I was going through the publishing process that I really wanted to give up. And I was like, mm. I just do not want to do this. This is right. hard. And I yeah. don't like doing things that are hard. <laughs> <laughs> like if I don't have to, I don't want to, you know? Yeah. And it was really hard. And I remember I went to a conference and uh, it was actually a She Speaks. Lisa Turgers does this conference. And I had gone and I pitched my book to publishers and I was sitting in a workshop and looking around at all these women thinking, I am not like them. These mm. women can do it. I can't do it. You know, I, this, this is not going to work. I I'm quitting. I'm not doing this. I am not doing this. And all of a sudden there was a smell. This, it started out faint and then it got stronger and stronger and stronger. And I'm like, I know this smell. I know this smell and it, my husband and I get it very, not often, but once in a while we get a smell that is indescribable, but it is our son. It is exactly wow. the way he smelled at the hospital oh. and it comes and then it's gone. It's like, you notice it. And then once you realize what it is, it's gone. And mm. I got that smell. And once I realized what it was, it was gone. And I'm like, oh no, wait, I don't know what it is. Come back. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, I want to smell you some more. Oh. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to keep going. 
but it wasn't mm. enough. I, you know, I need neon signs. And so as I'm leaving the conference room, frustrated and just still feeling overwhelmed, like, I don't know if I can do this. I have a text message. And I think it's from one of my students, which I'm kind of annoyed because I'm like, how'd they get my cell phone number? And I open it up and it is a text message from Dr. Lodge. And Dr. Lodge is, was Alex's cardiothoracic surgeon. And he's the one who wrote the foreword to the book. Hmm. And when I had sent him parts of the book, because it was very important to me that anybody specifically mentioned in the book saw what was written about them, was okay with what was written about them because it's their Sir, I mean, it's his name, you know? Right, right. Um, And so he had just sent me a message back. He had texted me and he just said, "Um, I just want to make sure that you got the edits. And I told him what I was doing. And I told him, like, I think I'm going to give up. (laughs) I don't think I want to do this. And he said to me, you cannot give up. Mom, parents need this book. Right. You have to get this out there. And, you know, it's funny because if any of my friends would have told me that, I would have been like, okay, whatever. You know, Mm -hmm. they're supposed to say that. They're your friends. Right, right. But coming from someone so unexpected, I didn't expect a text message from him. um, So out of the blue and in that moment, it was like, okay, I'm supposed to do this. I have to get this out here. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, no more dragging my feet, right? I know. <laughs> so yes, definitely another yes. little kiss that I needed. Yes, wow. yes. And he's so good like that. And I love um, how you talk about the scent. I've often heard um, just how God speaks to us through our senses, through all the senses, through yes. hearing, but also through mm-hmm. seeing and smelling. And t- I mean, it can be through so many. He's a very creative God. I mean, right? He created yeah. the world. If that doesn't take a creative mind, I don't know, you know, what does. So Like, of course, he can speak to us through a variety of ways, through dreams, through other people, through, yeah, yeah, through a scent even, right? Yeah. Yeah. Text messages. (laughs) (laughs) He's a tech savvy God too. Um, So yeah, I I just love that. That's a great example of that, of him speaking like through a scent, which you wouldn't normally think of, right? But to you, that's a very intimate thing that he knows. He, he, he knows because he created that, that very scent that Alex had, you know? Um, so very, very cool. Okay. So why don't you tell us as we kind of wrap it up here, um, you are not taking any profit from the sale of the book is what I read. So can you tell us about where it's going? Yes. And my husband's dismay. We are not taking any profit from the book. (laughs) 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 Oh, just think so differently than we do. They do. Um, do. I knew when, uh, when I decided to go ahead and do this, I knew that God was saying, you're not doing it for you. You're not even really doing it for Alex. You are doing it for me. And because of that, um, it was super important to me that our finances be like black and white, like just very divided. So I didn't want this to in any way come into our personal account. So we started an organization that solely started just to keep finances separate. (laughs) Um, And it is called Hope and Healing Hearts. We are currently an LLC at this point. We may move to nonprofit someday, but right now we just started less than a year ago. And so we are um, Hope and Healing Hearts. You can find us at hopeandhealinghearts.org. 
And our whole mission is just to provide resources and community for those who are healing from life's heartbreaks Mm. Um, and child loss being one of them. So we have um, the hope book, which you are talking, have been talking about and have. Um, We also have a book called forever a mama. And that is a uh, book study Bible kind of Bible study that goes with hope. It is specifically for a mom who has lost a child and it, it is child loss specific questions. So Mm. each you read a chapter of hope and then you do the chapter, the, the, the same chapter in forever a mama. That's questions that link back to the chapter you just read. And my favorite part is each section of that has a remembrance section and it allows the mom Mm. to share their own story of their own child that they lost. So it has writing prompts and it has a lot of space for each mom to share their own story. Because what I learned was that when you are writing down your story, we hold on to everything, every memory, even if they're really, really bad. We just want to hold on to everything because we don't want to lose anything with them. Mm. We just want to remember every detail. But sometimes holding on to all those things is not good for us. We should hold on to the really good ones and release those that are bad. Mm. And by writing it down, we can now release the ones that are bad and they're still there. You're not going to forget them. You can go back and you can read them and you can look at them and they're still there, but you don't have to hold on to them anymore. So I want to give a mom the opportunity to kind of work through that whole process of writing out their own story through these prompts um, from pregnancy to loss, to healing. Um, So that is Forever Mama. And then I also have a new book that just released yesterday. It is a book study. It is goes with hope, um, but it is not geared towards child loss. It is for anybody and everybody. It can be done alone in terms of like by yourself, but it's best to be done in a group setting. I've already launched it on my sister and her group first, just to make sure that it went well and to fix anything that they didn't like. Um, And I also recorded three videos that are free that go with the book. So if you're doing it in a group setting, even if it's virtually, you can have this little three-part series video as a tool to kind of help with the book study. So there's all that. And 100% all the profit goes back through Hope and Healing Hearts. And what we do is we partner with organizations that specifically work with those who have who have lost a child and they get the books into the hands of parents. So for every hope book we sell, we can give one away. For the others, we use that profit. I think like the Forever Mom, I make like a dollar ten on it. So it's not very much, but that one dollar ten can go towards getting a book for a mom. So that is our whole That's goal great. just to get books to parents. I love that. I love it so much. Thank you. Well, if you want to connect with Candace and, um, or grab the book or follow her on social media, we're going to put all of the links to all of the different websites she's talked about and the ways to connect to her. We're going to put that in the show notes. So if you go to the info section on this podcast, you will see some links there and you can go follow her, send her a message. If you are a mama who has experienced child loss, I know that she loves connecting with those other um, moms in that similar, um, you know, experience in life. 
And um, yeah, you can connect with their hairs there. So look for that in the show notes. And also, I'll be doing a giveaway on my Instagram. If you follow me over at Ashley Caston on Instagram, you can win a copy of the book for yourself. So make sure you look for that post on Instagram. Well, thank you so much for being here. Um, Thank you for having me. Love. Yes. I love, I love our conversations. It just, um, just warms my heart. And I know that this is going to just be huge in a lot of mama's lives. So thank you again for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, we'll just pray now as we close. Lord, we just come to you right now and we ask that you would be near to every heart that is weary tonight. Every uh, mom that is listening who is in need of hope, we pray that you would uh, just draw her near to you, help her to fix her eyes on you as she navigates through whatever it is that she's going through. God, thank you that you are our uh, refuge, that we can count on you, that we can hide Uh, in your wings and that you love us deeply. I pray that you would just kiss every mama this week that needs that touch from you, that needs that reminder that she is loved and looked after and that she is not forgotten. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.